Welcome to the Magnify podcast. Magnify is a platform at the intersection of faith, feminism, and fashion. During these episodes, we have conversations with dynamic individuals that we hope will leave you intrigued, inspired, and informed. How to use your brand story to engage an audience? What's the story behind your brand? And do you use your brand story to build engagement with your community? We all have a story to tell in life and in business. And stories have the power to set us apart from other businesses in our sphere. So how can we use storytelling to speak with our audience and build trust? In this episode, we spoke to brothers Brad and Brian Manning, who at a young age were both diagnosed with an eye disease that causes blindness over time. Using their story and experience, they have co-founded the clothing brand, Two Blind Brothers. Their brand has been built on a central mission to impact those who are blind and raise money towards a cure for blindness. In this episode, they share their coincidental story of how their brand was born, how our challenges yield our strengths, and how storytelling has been key to building and creating a community and turning their business into a successful brand. Let's listen in. Thank you so much um, for joining me. It's really amazing to have you both on and I've been really inspired by your story. So we're really, really excited to share that with our community. Um, So I always like to kick off with some quick fire questions just for our audience to get to know you and quite interesting to have the both of you on. Um, So if you could have a dinner party with four guests, um, who would you invite and why? So you both get two invites first. So Brad, I'll start with you. (laughs) My great grandfather through my uh, dad's side and my great grandfather through my mom and grandfather's side. So two great grandparents, because I think it'd be interesting just to talk to them about family and learn things about them. And I I think it would teach us teach me a lot about uh, our family as well. Amazing. Um, And Brian, who would you have and why? I'd bring the great great grandfathers just to wanna <laughs> brag a little bit on this one. No, I I would probably say uh, Winston Churchill and Ernest Hemingway. Oh wow! Why would you bring them? Two two people who really like to have a good time first and foremost, and I find them both to just be unfathomably fascinating people. Amazing. Um, so what's a surprising or weird fact about each of you? So um, Brian, we'll go with you next. Yeah, I actually have on my left and right foot, the second toe in is like a little hooked. It oh, looks wow. like a little sickle. Uh, it's I've, I've never, I don't see it on anybody else, but it's a, it's a weird fact and I'm not wearing shoes right now. So it popped onto my head. It popped first thing into my head. Amazing. Um, weird thing about me, I, uh, I'm addicted to chess. Oh, wow. Um, I am conversational in Chinese. Very interesting. How, how did that happen? I went to China for a short period of time when I was in grad school and, uh, decided to just keep doing the lessons, uh, afterwards. So that was about 10 years. And, um, but unfortunately I haven't done it since COVID. So I'm getting rustier by the day. 
well, COVID is yeah changing lots of our plans. Um, so I wanted to start because when um, I was reading up about the two of you, just your childhood, um, and I think in particular how you said your parents um, just encouraged you so much really stood out. So growing up, um, what was your childhood like and what were some of the values, um, I guess, instilled in you that you think have made you the men that you are today? So Brad, we'll kick off with you. Brian and I um, were diagnosed with our eye condition and I was diagnosed, uh, uh, I'm five years older than Brian. So I was diagnosed five years before he was. And, you know, we didn't know how to put that diagnosis in perspective at that time. So we really looked to our parents for how, whether we knew we were doing it or not, we were looking to our parents to um, kind of understand what this meant. And behind the scenes, our, our parents were worried about us, um, but what they presented to us and is something we feel very strongly today was that this was never going to define our lives. The fact of the matter is um, that everybody has challenges, some of them easier than having bad eyesight, some of them harder than having bad eyesight. But the fact of the matter is, is we will all be thrown all kinds of challenges. And the, the, the real trick is to embrace it and learn from it. And so that was sort of the principle that, you know, our parents left us at a young age. And that's easier said than done. I mean, I remember the first day of first grade where my mom told me, you know, if the teacher writes something or holds something up and you can't see it, you know, get up out of your seat and walk up to her and or walk up to the board um, to read it. And, you know, when I would do that, it uh, was like you felt different in a bad way. You felt isolated. Um, you felt like you were the weird kid. And, um, and and so there were tons of moments starting from that point um, that uh, were kind of challenging for us to navigate. But I think the lesson that we've learned at this point in our lives is that actually facing those challenges, leaning into those awkward moments actually yields all of your greatest strengths. It, it calls forth your assertiveness, your creativity, your resourcefulness. And, um, and, and that's how we got through it. Wow, so powerful. Um, Brian, is there um, anything that you'd like to add, I guess, from your perspective, particularly being younger as well? Yeah, I mean, Brad did a really good job. And whenever he goes first, he usually takes all the good content, uh, which is a little <laughs> frustrating. But I'll say that, you know, one thing for me, this is actually outside of our, our parents, uh, more in line with, you know, Brad, is that you know, growing up with somebody who has a visual impairment for anybody who does, it can be a very lonely disease. And, you know, we didn't need another person with an eye disease until basically we started two blind brothers. There were people here and there, but not to any degree. But knowing that Brad had this disease and that he was accomplishing the things that he was encouraged, inspired, and allowed me to uh, push things further, you know? And so had no, seeing somebody in a role or in a opportunity that you want to be in that is like you makes it way easier to imagine yourself doing it. And so that for me was a big advantage is I got to actually witness this and then follow through on it. 
Wow. Um, so as you've mentioned, we will get into it now. So what um, was the story behind your company, Two Blind Brothers? Um, and I guess what was your vision um, behind starting it and what were you hoping to achieve when you set out? So Brian and I, we were working in separate careers in New York City. I was working for an investment firm. Brian was doing sales for a data company. And we were walking around New York one day shopping. And we were talking about sort of a recent medical miracle. Um, There is a company called Spark Therapeutics with a therapy called um, Luxterna, which is a gene therapy that cures a very rare form of blindness and called LCA, uh, Labor's Congenital Amaurosis. And so on this particular day, we were talking about how awesome it was that this is when it was in clinical trial, how awesome it was that this kid who was one of their early clinical trial patients, was treated with this therapy and went from blind and reading Braille to reading print. And as we sort of went throughout our day, you know, we walked into a Bloomingdale store. And if you are blind or vision impaired like, like Brian and I, you know, shopping can be a big pain. So before you can see the prices, the sizes, the labels that well, you run around like you're five years old and touch <laughs> touch shirts, touch pants and figure out if you like the way that they feel. And, and you know, we, we had lost each other in the store. We come out a half an hour later and he and I had actually bought the exact same shirt. Wow. We started talking about it. We started talking about the way that it felt. It was a soft shirt. But that was sort of the two things that led us to have this aha moment. What if there is something to this? What if, what if we could actually combine our excitement and our enthusiasm for all of the emerging science, um, all, of the me- uh, all of the medicine being developed for retinal eye disease, and use a, a clothing brand to actually make that mission feel tangible for people. And that's when we came up with two, with, with two blind brothers with the two simple missions, help cure blindness by donating 100% of the profits back to preclinical researchers and to make the softest shirts in the world. Wow. Um, Brian, so I'm going to come in with another question actually leading on from Mm. that. Um, So um, Brad was saying before how, you know, we all go through challenges in life, but sometimes for some people it ends up defining them or restricting them. And for other people, they channel it into something that um, not just helps them move forward, but inspires and impacts other people. And for you, what was the turning point when you realised that your visual impairment could either hold you back or you could use it um, to do something incredible, which is what you've done. And I guess were there within yourself any resistance or any time you felt that we might not be able to achieve certain things because of this? So yeah, it'd be great to hear your perspective on that. Yeah, of course. I mean, I I had a big uh, enlightening moment my first, actually my first day of high school, which is a tumultuous time in any person's life. But uh, I kind of had this idea because I was going to a new school that I just 
didn't want to be the blind kid. Uh, I knew it would come out eventually, right? Like it's impossible to fully hide, but I had an, I have enough vision where I can get around with my peripheral. I can kind of duck and people would notice right away. And so I was just going to sit in the back of the classroom. And just for one day, I was going to be the normal, just another kid. And actually in my first class, which is just terrible luck, uh, my teacher calls on me and it was a, it was a physics class. And he says, you know, can you do the problem? And I had tricks at this point. I said, Dr. Folo, you know, uh, lots going on up there, you know, ambiguity, what, what problem are we talking about? And he basically just points at it and says this one. And I just went, Oh, Dr. Folo, what, what numbers are like, what part of that do you want me to do? Just trying to get him to read it aloud. And <laughs> He looks at me and he goes, this one right here, stop goofing around. And I basically just said, ah, Dr. Folo, I'm sorry. I, I, I just, I don't know how to do it. I was just playing dumb because I thought, you know, at that time being dumb, way better than being blind. I'd rather be the dumb kid in the class than the blind kid in the class. And then he's like, Brian, it's, it's simple division. Just do the problem. Stop, stop this. And I had then to admit to, Dr. Folo and my class and myself that I just, I couldn't do the problem because I couldn't see it. And it just, it, it came out in the worst possible way. I was so ashamed. I was so disheartened. I was absolutely just broken. And, but I, but it was kind of funny because as I was like sitting there really upset, I, I realized that it wasn't actually the visual impairment thing that I was upset about. It was that it came out in this awful way and that it was just this terrible, terrible, embarrassing moment that if I had just owned up to my visual impairment at the beginning of class and walked up to the teacher and said, hey, I don't see well, uh, you know, if you have something on the board, if you want to call me, can you just read it aloud? Or I kind of said it to the other students. I would have had one little awkward moment, but it would never have been devastating. Mm-hmm. And so that often, but being authentic to myself was kind of this ability, was this superpower and was way more powerful than actually being blind. And that was a big turning point in my life. But, you know, this, this is this growth, right? You, you know, you're facing problems constantly. You're going over issues all the time. And, you know, this growth isn't happens once and you're there. It's a repetitive and consistent cycle. But I got really frustrated at an airport a year ago because I couldn't order a sandwich on a kiosk because I couldn't see what was on the screen. And you sit there and you're like, I run this whole company. I'm doing all this stuff, but I can't order a sandwich. And you just, in those moments, have to remember that ordering a sandwich isn't that important. And you can just ask for help and deal with it around it. But it's a constant, it's a constant fight. Some days are way better than others, but most days are great. Wow. Um, And then I want to talk about faith because um, it's a a conversation I have with a lot of friends, people who believe, people who don't believe, that um, particularly when challenges um, come our way, it can be really difficult to believe in God or to believe that he's good um, or that he has a plan for us. And I know like having experienced personal tragedy in my life, that's been something that I've often wrestled with. Um, So for the two of you um, individually, has your faith ever been affected by your diagnosis? The way I think about it is, is just in the um, sort of the, the the irony of some of these challenges, because the fact of the matter is there is no growth without friction. Wow. So a lot of these hard things 
on the back end or in the future end up being the things that make you the strongest. Um, and without them, you may never have gotten there. Um, you, you, you meet somebody who hasn't had any challenge, you know, any obvious challenges in their life, you know, they have a funny way of creating challenges for themselves. <laughs> so, you know, I, I think it's a really interesting kind of principle of life that, you know, one of the, I think, core tenets that I believe in is that these struggles are, are, are neither sort of able to be determined to be good or bad, you know, on their face. It, 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 it always comes out uh, further down the line. You know, these things have a way of delivering gifts to you in a way that you may not expect. Yeah, and I, you know, I, I, I would agree with the majority of what what Brad said, and I think that a lot of uh, a lot of these you know, trials and tribulations and struggles that we all face. Uh, what's the what's the old saying that you know I, I faced a I've I've faced a thousand I've faced ten thousand problems and only a few of them have actually happened. Uh, and if you you know the the idea of just you know, staying positive, staying motivated, staying upbeat and assuming that you can conquer. And that on the other side of that, of conquering, you're going to be a better person for it is, uh, I think a really powerful sentiment to, to attach yourself to. Amazing. Have you ever, I guess, wrestled with the fact that you're about impact and you have a very clear mission um, versus obviously a lot of businesses, they are more profit focused and profit driven. How has that worked itself out in what you're building? Well, it's been actually it's been fairly easy for us because it's 100 percent about the impact. Um, You know, we need a we need a business that supports that impact. But at the end of the day, the the, the trade offs, the opportunity, weighing the opportunities, uh, is fairly straightforward for us. This has always been about um, you know about the the impact. You know, the, the all the profits are donated, you know, to Foundation Fighting Blind. So we've never we we haven't had to face those in the same way. I mean, sometimes we think like. Oh well, if we were starting over, would we structure it in certain ways? You know, maybe it would make it easier to bring in more capital to let us grow faster, et cetera, et cetera. But those are really in the hypothetical. We we haven't had to really face a lot of those um, in, in the business because, like a like a strictly for profit for business is all you know is about maximizing profits you know, ours is, you know, maximizing for, for, for the researchers, for the community. Wow. Um, and Brian, I wanted to ask, what's it like working with your brother? Obviously, feel free to be honest. <laughs> um, but also, um, given that you both came from different industries, how have you harnessed your different um, skills and strengths to work together as a great business partnership? You know how Brad was talking about, you know, starting over, what would we do differently? I probably would have just fired Brad on day one. That would have been the greatest thing. No, it's, it's actually been, uh, awesome. It's been so, so, so fun. Uh, you know, you, a lot of people prospectively probably would not go into business with a family member. Uh, for a myriad of reasons. But, you know, when we were actually starting this out, Brad and I sat down and had the conversation that the relationship and that the family, that being brothers came first over 
over the business. And that if one person had a really large passion or, or care or thought or desire to do something with the business and the other person had to be willing to let them run with it. And that's actually been something really fascinating uh, about running this business, as you said, of unlocking uh, each other's potential is that building trust with another person is really, really challenging. And it can take a really long time. And when you're running one of these businesses, especially when you're small, a lot of decisions have to be made on a little bit of guesswork. You know, it isn't an exact science of how much inventory do you need or what should we spend on these ads or, you know, we should upgrade for this platform. You know, these are kind of expenses that you have no idea where they're going to come from. But if you have trust and faith in the other person's passion and their ability, you can say, okay, just go ahead and do it. And whatever you think is going to be best, I just all agree with. I, I, I believe in you. And that frees up a ton of creativity. It frees up a ton of ability to grow. And because you have faith in the other person's work ethic and ability to do the job, you don't need to double check the works. So you, you as a business can be twice as effective and which has been really something that I, I, I would not have thought was going to be the case, but if, but it really has been fascinating to witness. Wow. And um, so a lot of our listeners are um, entrepreneurs or people who are leading different nonprofits. Um, so I'd love to hear your advice in terms of how do you create an authentic connection between your mission um, and your operations? Because obviously those two things have to connect. It's not just about the vision, but the operations have to support that. So what has been that journey like for you? Well, it has to, like you said in the, like you asked in the question, it has to be extraordinarily authentic. I mean, the, the fact of the matter is, is um, we, we can now, because of social media, because of the digital age, because of all of the options we all have every day to buy and work with companies that we, that we want, um, you know, People can be reached on a more nuanced level uh, on what they particularly care about. And so, so the fact is, I think it was very trendy, you know, a few years ago, you, you sort of just slap on some sort of social mission, you know, and, and that was sort of enough to, to kind of call yourself a, a social enterprise and to benefit, um, you know, from that. The, but the fact of the matter is now is is that you need to draw that context for for your customer for your stakeholders it's worked amazing it's been it's been the reason that we are where we are today because you know it's just so so evident you know it's 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 our personal story we started with the mission before we really thought about it as a business. Wow. And, you know, you have to think if you're, if you are an entrepreneur and you are incorporating social impact, you have to think about that story that ties you or ties your business to that social impact in a way that is completely seamless, makes a lot of sense, is emotionally compelling it's almost got to be like it's so integrated. It, it, it was part of the original concept. 
Um, so Brian leading off of that about storytelling because yeah just looking at your website and reading up on all you do that's such a core element um, of how you do that what advice would you give to other entrepreneurs in terms of you know we all have different things that we've been through and we all have a story but communicating that in a effective way that is a different thing to do so what advice would you give for being able to share your brand story in a compelling way as a founder yeah, I, I, it's, a, it's a great question. One of my favorite things in the world. Uh, I think storytelling is such a powerful medium because, you know, as we've seen a lot recently, facts have become really fragile and without context, they basically have no meaning. I mean, I, I, small example, but when I was uh, applying for my first jobs, I would put on there a uh, plastics cleansing engineer. I was a dishwasher, but I thought it sounded way better on the resume than just being a dishwasher. Uh, and so, but if you, but, but for storytelling, I think the, the piece that's so important is we all have the ability and we all have great stories that we can tell. And now they're with platforms like Facebook and Instagram and TikTok, you can get that story out to a niche audience. You know, Brad and I filmed our first video with a buddy who is a Starbucks barista and a videographer. And it was just us and with him with one camera and some lights, nothing too fancy. And that video, and we, but the video was targeted towards the blind and visually impaired community, and it absolutely exploded. And we were not talking about our shirts. We were not talking about anything. We were talking about being brothers, talking about visual impairment, talking about our mission to cure blindness. And that authentic, heartfelt story was more impactful than anything. And later on, you know, we get authentic reactions from people opening up shop line boxes and opening up and putting on our products and speaking about how much they love them. And when we put that content out there, just a selfie video outperforms basically anything else. I think people sometimes they see on TV, these giant high budget commercials where there's explosions and famous actors supporting a product, but how much of that actually makes you want to go buy that thing? And how many times are you on the online and watch a story of a family or watch a great authentic story and then care deeply? So that simple act of just recording what you care about, telling your story from your heart, a little bit of editing, maybe a little bit of music underneath can go miles and it's not going to cost you very much. And then you can target it to the people that are really going to care. Wow. Um I'm leading on different questions because you're both absolutely fascinating. But one question leading off of that is, um, as a founder, then, how do you develop a unique way of engaging with your audience? Because as you said, we're used to seeing things that are very high budget, very flashy. Um, in today's world now, a lot of people always feel like their product needs to land with celebrities or influencers who aren't necessarily purchasing. You're just gifting them your product. So for founders, what advice or encouragement would you give them to find Finding, you know, as much as there are principles that work across any sector, but how do you find a unique way of telling your story and engaging with your community and customer base in a way that they can connect with? I, I know this is going to sound kind of funny, Brad, you can have an answer too, but it's, 
be, when everything else is so high budget and everyone is trying to force an influencer or a, a celebrity or whatever down your down your throat, uh, going more authentic, going more true, more heartfelt, more honest, and more you know access into who you are will stand out. That is what's unique now because it's not being done. You know, in years past, it was get the celebrity, put them on TV. That was unique. Now it's everywhere. And it, I think it's going back to small town, small town rules. Wow. Yeah. And the, the thing I'll add is, you know, you have to do the thing that no, no other competitor or no other business like you could get away with doing. So some examples for Two Blind Brothers are all of our kind of all of our braille icons and braille branding on our products. Uh, you know, uh, the gap is not going to do that. They can't, it, it wouldn't make sense for them. Uh, the shop blind experience that is uniquely us. All the, uh, you know, you can waste a lot of time thinking about things like promotions, discounts, you know, and I actually had this experience with the with the woman who cuts my hair. You know, she just started her own business. You know, a lot of the salons had closed and she is, you know, she's talking about how she wants to do like uh, get 10 haircuts. There's some of that that is fine. And if, and if it's industry standard, you, you don't want to be unnecessarily hurting yourself. But the things that are going to let you punch above your weight are the things that are uniquely you. You know, she's um, she's uh, um, Indonesian. So in, instead of giving me a 15 percent coupon that I can give to a friend, she should like give me a piece of like Indonesian chocolate and she should tell me like that she ate it as a kid and, and, and that would make me remember her. That would make me more likely to tell a friend about her. You know, that's something that the next hairdresser uh, isn't going to be able to do. I mean, that's sort of a very, very small example, but if you can identify those things that are only true for you, that is what differentiates you. So, so don't get too caught up in, you know, the, the, the things that they're telling everybody to do because everybody's already doing them and they're not going to pay that much attention when you do it. I've got a question for you, Brian, leading off of that. So one of your campaigns included taking down your website for customers um, to trust you to send them clothing. Um, so as we've just been talking about, how important is trust between um, entrepreneurs and customers and how can you build up that trust and continue to nurture it? <laughs> that campaign is uh, the shop blind experience is just unfathomable to me. We had, we basically a few years ago had this idea of, well, let's see if we can give uh, some, the people, uh, our customers kind of a unique shopping experience. And when you're blind or you're visually impaired, Brad and I were thinking that one of the biggest skills you learn is trust, you know, trust in, small bits of trust, trust in a waiter to give you a good recommendation, trust in a you know cab driver to drop you off on the right street corner, or I don't know, in a, in a merchant to give you correct change, right? Well, and we wanted to see if we could take that experience online and ask 
the people to trust us. So we took down everything on the website, came out with three price points and said, will you trust us? You don't know what's in the box. We're not going to tell you no hints, no clues, no information, just two promises. One, 100% of the profits are going to go back to curing blindness. And two, that what's in the box you're going to absolutely love. And if you don't, you can send it back to us. And it, we thought it would be an interesting marketing campaign, but it turned into probably the cornerstone of our entire business. Gosh. And it's been just profound and, and we, we've, we've, we've learned a few things from it. One is people love an experience. And as we talked about earlier, a little bit of uniqueness, right? The, you know, that, that is one way that we differentiate ourselves in only the a way two blind brothers could. If another brand do shop Nike, try to do shop blind, you would be a little confused as to what the overlap is. I'm sure they have good marketing people that could come up with a great story about it, but it would be a, it would be a stretch. For us, it's so true and authentic to our brand. And I think because we've been so forthright and so authentic, and it's so very much Brad and I, people have the ability to say, you know what, I'll take this opportunity to trust them. I will give this chance. And it's it, at some level, it's trust light, right? They can always just send back the product if they don't want it and it's hundred percent refunds, but we get less refunds than you are less returns than you think, because I think half more than half of the experience is actually doing it and not knowing what's showing up. It's like getting a surprise gift for yourself. And then what's in the box fills in the rest, even though it is amazing. It is incredible. I think people just really enjoy the process of getting a special surprise for themselves and knowing that what they're doing is going back to helping others. And, you know, to, to garner that trust, it, it really just comes down to coming from a place of doing genuine good and telling a story that people can resonate and understand and believe in. Wow. Um, and my final question, because you just talked about it, what's the impact um, and I guess legacy that you hope your business will create and leave on this earth? You know, it, it, my, my aspiration for Two Blind Brothers is that we've helped families and individuals who have come in contact with our brand to feel more confident about their journey or their particular ch challenge with a vision impairment. Our, my, uh, our bolder aspiration is that if, if our project can be an example for another person or another two brothers out there uh, or sisters that want to start um, a mission-driven consumer-facing brand to get their message out and to uh, affect a cause that they care deeply about. I think that there are many, many things about what we're doing that are very easy to replicate. And uh, in the sense that, you know, if, if they have uh, a compelling story, a strong mission, and can put together, you know, a, go a good product, you know, it, there's no reason that it couldn't speak to a large community of people who are who care about what they're doing. And so that 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 would be the coolest uh, thing for us is if we can help herald in, um, you know, a group of the next, um, you know, hyper 
uh, hyper-targeted social impact businesses. Um, and in the meantime, you know, the fact that we've been able to empower the blind community is what this business stands for. Um, and, and we're just trying to be good stewards of, of the platform that we have. Incredible. Um, Brian, I don't know if you have anything to add to that because that was <laughs> pretty amazing and big. Yeah, he's just talking over me left and right. And, and I'm happy he's doing it because he's doing a great job. <laughs> amazing um well yeah thank you so much it's been a complete honor as i said i've learned so much personally and i can't wait for our listeners to have the opportunity to learn and be inspired by your story so thank you so much for your time thanks so much for joining us for this episode don't forget to subscribe and if you know anyone who might benefit from this go ahead and share this with them also don't forget to rate and review it really helps us out See you next time.